I'm Larissa in Montana, and you're listening to Most Wanted. Hey, pod fam, I'm Lauren. And I'm Amanda. Hey, sis, before we start, I just have a, I just have a little shout out I'd like to make if that's okay. Yeah, go for it. So I'd like to say, obviously, how much I love and appreciate doing this with you. Um, I did have dinner last night with a friend and who's a listener, and she just said Aww. that she really likes our banter and she likes the stories and really how we yeah how we just how we get to do this every week. And she's been really impressed and she really likes to listen. So I just wanted to let you know that's that, awesome. Yeah, that we have a a loyal fan or listener whatever you'd like to call her but she's also a dear friend to me and i just like i love know. that i i did want to know that i love that thank you for sharing that <laughs> tell her hi and i, I, Shout I, out to my I love Katie. doing this yeah <laughs> i love doing this with you so i'm also they were so, so impressed when you said that you read a fucking book for a oh. case <laughs> she was like what do you mean i was like she read a fucking book she reads books all the fucking time she's have you, listen to the ad she's a book gal <laughs> i am a book gal <laughs> so i just wanted to let you know that i also want to share now that we're sharing mom was also very impressed that i read the episode yeah i mean i don't know how long it takes you to read obviously not i mean i wouldn't even have started a book right now if it was me which is why i'm not in charge here but uh, <laughs> But yeah, you just like you're just flipping through books and not like flipping through books for the pictures like what I do. You actually like read the <laughs> shit. And it's it's impressive. I am impressed. I don't think I told you that. And well, I really you. appreciate all the work I, that you do. I like it. So it's all good. I, I like reading. So okay. it's kind of in my wheelhouse. <laughs> to do it all definitely this. is in your wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Sissy, want to... What are we talking about this week? Yeah, let's play What's My Crime. So this week we're covering George Edward Wright. I can't find what year he was added exactly to the FBI list because he's on the terrorism list, not the fugitive list. So they don't keep the same exact kind of records for that. Um, he's in the current top 10 on the terrorism list. And uh, he's also on the Interpol list currently. So, what's my crime this week? You're telling me he's a terrorist from a different country. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to say exactly you're wrong, what you, but that is exactly what you just yeah. told me. It kind of, yeah. I'll I'm, give you like half credit. <sighs> <laughs> All right. Well, what's this motherfucker do? <laughs> well, let me talk about sources real quick first. All right, let's go. So sources this week include articles from the New York Times, The Guardian, and NPR, along with the FBI website and an episode of 48 Hours and, of course, Wikipedia. Uh, content warnings this week are a little different than the past weeks because it's been pretty light the past few weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, this week, we've got murder. We've got hijacking. We've got kidnapping. And we've got some threats. And finally... We have a guy who thinks he is above the law. Great. So we're talking about another entitled guy. All right. You ready for a story? I am. I want to take a quick break to talk about two brands that I'm an ambassador for. You've heard me talk about this the last couple of weeks, but I'm an ambassador for Moment Botanical Water. They're at Drink Moment on Instagram, and it's a caffeine-free and alcohol-free drink for those nights where you might want something kind of cocktail-like, but you want to be fully present the next day. I'm kind of a lightweight, so maybe that's just me, but I enjoy it. <laughs> Um, there are a whole bunch of flavors. I've tried all of them. They're all no added sugar, all of that good stuff. Uh, so if you're interested in this awesome brand, head over to drinkmoment.com and use promo code MOSTWANTEDAMANDA for 15% off at checkout. And then we get a little uh, something back that we are going to be able to use to maybe go on some trips this year. So that's really exciting. And I'm equally excited to be a brand affiliate for the most awesome clothing brand I've seen in a long time, Kind Cotton. 
Kind Cotton is a premium clothing and accessories brand designed to spread kindness and make a difference. With every order, they provide a book to a child through their reading program. And you know how much I love to read, so that's just wonderful to me. Uh, Lauren is a super cute long sleeve mustard yellow embroidered tee. And I have the Kindness Crew Neck sweatshirt from their Pride line. And it might be the softest sweatshirt I've ever owned. There will be links to both of these brands in the episode notes because this one didn't give me a nice promo code, but it's just an affiliate link and that'll be provided for you. Uh, all money earned is going to go right back to us. Same thing with Drink Moments, and it'll help us get to Austin and Orlando for some podcast festivals. So thank you for listening and helping us out. And once again, we want to talk about our upcoming news. Sissy? Hi, we are going to be at two true crime events this summer and fall, and we are super excited about it. So first, we're going to be at the True Crime and Paranormal Podcast Festival this year, where we'll have a table for our podcast. I am so excited. I'm so excited. So whether you're a true crime advocate, have a passion for uncovering the truth and bringing justice to victims, or you love the paranormal and spooky, you won't want to miss the True Crime and Paranormal Podcast Festival, which is taking place in Austin, Texas, from August 25th through the 27th, 2023. The festival features panel discussions, workshops, and live podcast episodes, and has a particular focus on ethics and advocacy in the true crime sphere. We are so excited to be there. So excited. I cannot wait. I have a countdown going, and it's just going to be the most fun. It's going to be our first festival ever, and the fact that we have a table is just going to be incredible. Yep. I can't wait to meet fans. I can't wait to meet other podcasters, other advocates in true crime. I'm just so pumped. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Do you want to quick talk about our other? Well, first, let's talk about how we can get tickets to the True Crime Podcast Festival. So uh, you can get your tickets at truecrimepodcastfestival.com and you can use promo code WANTED for 15% off of your tickets. That's truecrimepodcastfestival.com, promo code WANTED, W-A-N-T-E-D. So now let's talk about our other one. Yes, this one I'm so excited for as well. And yeah, tell us all about it. We're going to be at CrimeCon in Orlando this September 23rd through the 25th. And we're just attending, but we're just super excited. There's going to be lots of like big names there. And just to mingle, we can meet some fans, meet some other podcasters, maybe, maybe not. That's what I'm really looking forward to is just meeting other podcasters and everyone else in the community. Yeah, it's going to be so much fun. So if you're going to be at either event, reach out, let us know. Maybe we can meet some people. Yeah, send us a DM, send us an email, let us know how we can uh, see you. Yeah, so now on with the show. All right, we're back from the ad, so let's go. Tell me about this guy. George Edward Wright was born on March 29th, 1943 in Halifax, Virginia, which is in the southern part of Virginia, not far from the North Carolina border. He graduated from high school in Halifax in 1961, and at some point in the next year, he made his way to New Jersey. That's where our story truly begins. Okay. On Friday, November 23rd, 1962, which was the day after Thanksgiving that year, Wright and three accomplices decided to do some armed robberies. We're just hopping right into the crime. Jesus. Yep. Yep. Wait, so wait, so- wait, wait, wait a second. Uh-huh. So he just started out, for lack of a better term, guns a-blazing? Oh, yeah. Yep, he went straight Jesus. from like, no, as far as I could tell, no criminal record to armed robbery. Like there was no to like, a straight up gateway. Okay, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. So his accomplices consisted of two other men and one woman. They were Walter McGee, Elizabeth Roswell, and Julio de Leon. They okay. first robbed the Sands Ooh, I Motel. Like that. Julio de Leon. Ooh, I, I know like it kind of rolls off the tongue, right? Julio it de does. Leon. So he I'm not is, glorifying him for being no. Whatever, I, I just like, I like his I like name. Saying it, um, he does not get featured in the story again. Sorry. Oh well, okay then. Then I'm okay with saying, "Ooh, I like your name is spicy." Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the four of them first robbed the Sands Motel in Englishtown, New Jersey, getting away with two hundred dollars. That's it. 
Yep, and they have to split that what four f- ways. You are getting fifty doll hairs, literally. Yes. Yep. So adjusted for inflation, that's just under two thousand dollars. So it's still just not enough. That is less doll hairs that are on my fucking head right now. Yeah. Yep. So I don't know if that's a nothing. I don't. Know. I don't know. I, I don't either. Nothing to write home about. We'll say that, especially when you yeah. have to split the money. Um, so they headed. Show. Yeah. So they headed toward a Collingswood Esso gas station in the town of Wall, New Jersey, where they were going to do their second robbery. Except this time, the employee that they were trying to rob fought back. So, <gasps> oh shit! Oh shit! Who died? Hopefully yeah. not the guy. Not the guy. They no. Skip this part. <laughs> Sorry, it's part of the story. It's fine. Tell me. Okay. Walter Patterson owned that gas station in 1962. He was a 42-year-old World War II veteran who had received the Bronze Star, which is a really big deal. Yeah. Yeah. He lived in a nearby town with his family, and he'd sent his brother, who was also working at the gas station, home that night to have dinner with his family. Yeah. So Walter was the only employee present when the crew showed up to rob the gas station. He fought back and he was beaten mercilessly by the four of them. Oh. Yep. In the end, McGee, one of the accomplices, shot Patterson in the abdomen and the four robbers got away with $70. Fuck off. Yep. Fuck all the way off. Yep. You killed someone for $70? $70, yep. Oh, this this is going to piss me off. This whole episode is going to piss you off. (laughs) So Patterson was taken to a nearby hospital for his wounds, but he died there two days later. However, before he died, he was able to describe the two men who beat him, shot him and robbed the bank along with their car. So there were four of them present, but only two of them participated in the actual beating and robbery and stuff in this case. George and the the, the guy that and shot Mi- him. Yeah, Mickey. Yep. Mickey. Um, so Patterson himself was a huge key to into the arrests of these robbers. So yeah. that is at least one little bright spot in that in this part of the story. Okay. Yep. So the crew of four were all arrested two days later. Wright was indicted on state charges for murder, along with McGee and the others, on December thirteenth, nineteen sixty-two. McGee, as the as the person who fatally shot Patterson, was sentenced mm-hmm. to life in prison. Fuck yeah! However, bye. However, no. he was par- yeah, he was paroled in nineteen seventy-seven. No. no, what? No, no. So that was fifteen years later. Mm-mm. Yep. What did yep. he get paroled for? It didn't if you say, say good like, behavior. I will. No, it, it just it. it it didn't say it just said yeah. he was paroled. So I did watch an episode of 48 hours for in preparation for this episode. And they actually interview him on the 48 hours episode. And did he say that he wanted to rot in hell? He didn't formally. He was just, oh, weird. I mean, so they were interviewing him about right. So like he didn't comment a lot, but he was basically like he was with me. He did it, too. You know, like. Wow. So anyway, um, on February 15th, 1963, Wright changed his plea from not guilty to no contest to the charge of murder so he could avoid a jury trial and the death penalty. He was subsequently uh, sentenced to 15 to 30 years in a New Jersey state prison. Is that what no contest means? Is that you're not going to fight it, but you're not going to say you did it? Yes. And so you don't have to go to a jury, jury trial? Jury trial. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. No. So no contest is just like, I'm, I'm not admitting guilt, but I'm also not saying I didn't do it. Okay. I mean, I guess yeah. it's kind of self-explanatory. I guess every time they say no contest, I'm just like, yep, yeah, you did it. Well, I think in most cases it is a way to not admit guilt, but kind of be like, eh, there's probably enough evidence there, to convict There's me. enough here. So he pleaded no contest and just kind of just dicked off then kind of yeah yeah okay all right good good right so he's in a new jersey state prison now 
So most of the early years of Wright's sentence were spent in a maximum security facility. But after several years, Wright was moved to the Leesburg State Prison Farm in Leesburg, New Jersey. This was a minimum security facility that, at the time, didn't even have a chain-link fence around the property. It was wide open. Okay. I just have to say this really quick. Mm -hmm. I live near a prison. Mm-hmm. And they did not have a fence around it for years. And it was a big deal. Really? In the town. Oh, for years. I didn't know that. And it was a big deal to the community because they didn't want the fence put up because it makes it look dangerous. Sure. And in reality, they only had a handful of people escape in the prison's, you know, history. Mm-hmm. So putting it up now makes it look super dangerous when really it kind of just looked like a, I mean, not like a college campus, but just like a campus. of Kind of, though. They almost look like yeah. schools. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I want to, I want to I, I be mad about this. But at the same time in my community, I don't love that there's now a fence around it. That actually makes sense. I mean, yeah. and I think, I think when they didn't have fences around prisons, that's specifically like minimum security anyway right like it's right inmates they're not concerned about for the most right. part right yeah, yeah absolutely it's most most of the people at this prison are just they're in for over their year because otherwise they'd just be in jail and they're just they're do their time and get out you know yeah 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 so that's just I, I want to be furious about this. And I think I was the first time we recorded this. And, I think you were too. Be. Yeah. Yeah. And I, can't, I, I really can't be because I hate that there's a fence around ours. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. So anyways, continue. anyway, this is the guy you don't want in a minimum security facility without a fence. Absolutely. Um, the fuck not. Fuck. You. Yeah. George. So on George. Yeah. On August 19th, 1970, Wright and three others, including a man named George Brown, so another George, uh, walked out of the prison between bed checks. According to the episode of 48 Hours that I watched, they stole the prison warden's car during their escape, and that's how they got away. So the group made their way to Detroit, where they joined a group that soon became affiliated, sorry, soon began affiliating themselves with the Black Panthers calling themselves part of the Black Liberation Army. Oh. Mm-hmm. So they're, oh, okay. they're gone, gone. Okie dokie. Have you ever heard? in New Jersey and now they're in Detroit? In Detroit, yeah. Have you ever heard of the Black Liberation Army? No. No, I have not. I, I have a guess, but this is recorded for forever, so why don't you just tell me? Okay. Um... So I'm going to read you what, again, I did this in the last episode too. I'm going to read you what Wikipedia says, and then we're going to talk about it because they use a lot of words and it's kind of convoluted, but I, I, I think it's interesting enough to read you what they describe. So Wikipedia says, the Black Liberation Army was considered a far left, black nationalist, underground, black power, revolutionary, paramilitary organization that existed in the U.S. from 1970 to 1981. Whoa. <laughs> right? Whoa. So many words. And like, a lot of them seem to mean very similar things, like they weren't all necessary. No, it. you are over, anyone that you explain that to, you just doing it to me, you're overwhelming me with this inf- information yes. that no matter what that all of a sudden i'm like whoa oh, oh, oh. yeah like that's too putting, many things you're putting the same word on top of the same word on top of this you know what i mean not necessarily yes. but you're just putting a word on top of word and i understand what you're telling me but at the same time it's like holy shit holy shit yes holy shit like it yes. makes it sound super I, and whatever Scary. Yeah. Scary is not the word I'm looking for, but yeah, it but just I mean makes that sound that many like this that many words like it does kind of sound like it's really really bad. It really really bad. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this is the second time I've you know that you've told me this, and I'm still just like holy fuck, holy fuck, holy fuck. Yeah, like with, with every new word, you're like oh oh oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah, you're, yeah. 
And who describes them that way? They describe With- themselves that way? No, it was on Wikipedia. So that's why, like, this is where I do have some critiques of Wikipedia sometimes. I use them a lot for, like, filling in pieces of stories that I can't find in, like, newspapers. I I think a lot of people do. Yeah, but, like, when I read that, it's like, who wrote this? Like, someone who's afraid of them wrote this is what it sounds like to me. Or wants everyone to be afraid of them. Yes, or that. Yeah. I mean, so or or the same thing. They're afraid of them. They want everyone else to be afraid of them. Doesn't matter. It's just like yeah, uh, 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 yeah, yeah. Especially when you like revolutionary paramilitary. Like whoa, whoa. Yeah, that I was like whoa. Yeah, yeah. So, it the Black Liberation Army was mostly composed of former Black Panther members, along with members of a group called the Republic of New Africa with a K. Okay, and. Part of probably why they were described in certain ways was because their goal, like the group's goal overall, was to wage war against the United Hmm? States government. Hmm? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they were very serious about this and they carried out a series of bombings, killings of police officers and drug dealers, robberies and prison breaks. So the Georges were probably welcomed into the Black Liberation Army, partially because they're the the, prison they're Yeah, they were prison escapees. Mm. Yeah. So another prominent member of the Black Liberation Army is going to get her own episode probably about a year or oh, so from oh, now, maybe oh, two. I know who this is. Yeah? I don't know her name, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah. What's her name? Uh, Asada Shakur. Yes. So Tupac's auntie. Aunt. Auntie. Yep. 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 So yep. you will yep. be hearing about this group again, but it's not. It's not going to be for a while. I think I have her. You're not going to remember this episode by the, the future. Time. Probably yeah. not. Yeah. Um. Unless so. Anyway, listen to podcasts like I do. Right. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, this is the group that Wright and the other George, George Brown, became affiliated with after escaping from prison. So maybe not a great start for him back out in the world. Like, it's not like he was trying to stop criming, you know? No, crimer's going to crime, for sure. That's that's true. Um, so back to the main story for a minute. Uh, federal complaints were issued in Atlantic City, New Jersey, on August 26, 1970, for Wright and Brown, for a very similar charge to our favorite one. But oh. this one... Go, go ahead. ahead. Nope, you go. This one is C-PAP. unlawful C-PAP. flight... UFAP. CFAP. KEPAP. No, you tell me. Unlawful flight to avoid confinement, or UFAC. UFAC. You fact, I fact, everybody fact. Hey, yes, yes. <laughs> what is I don't know if it's what? actually called you fact, but that's what I'm going to call it. What was the first one? Was it you fap? Fap with a p. Yeah, and now it's fact. Yeah, because this guy's like already the song been prosecuted. By Eminem. Yeah, sure. Oh no, you never mind. I have no idea what you're talking about. You don't anyway. know. You don't know. You don't know fact by Eminem. I don't know. Okay, that's not a song I'm going to listen with you, so never mind. Go ahead. (laughs) Anyway, so now it's 1972. So they escaped in 1970, I believe. Yes, they escaped in 1970. I'm just so annoyed right now, but okay. Yeah. So now it's 1972. Uh, The Georges, Wright and Brown, are hanging out in Detroit, and they decide that they want to go to Algiers, Algeria where a lot of former Black Panthers have sought political asylum from the U.S. How do these two dudes, who are wanted federally and escaped from prison, get to Algiers to join their Black Panther peeps? I can tell you how. How? They're fucking air, they're fucking air pirates. They I are air pirates. They I hijack fucking hate a plane. Here. Yeah, yep. Okay, I'm just saying hijacking... Well, and also air pirate. I mean, it all sounds scary. I'm just saying hijacking is sounds way scarier than air piracy. I'm just saying. What's really interesting, too, is that's totally a product of being, well, like in a post 9 11 
Oh, 100%. Like, hijacking, as you'll see in this story, hijacking didn't used to mean that everyone died. That's definitely like a 9-11 and after thing. Yep. Yep. Yeah. One. No, I agree with you 100%, which is not something I thought of because I wasn't Mm -hmm. alive in 1972 or whenever this crime took place. Right. Yeah, and you you but, were pretty young for nine eleven. We that's another thing oh. we're going to cover in the future. Is I have a terrorism series that I'm going to tell you about, and it's going to get dark. It gets really dark, and we're going to have to fucking do some white collar tune ups after that. Oh my sure. gosh, yeah, I have to tell you about like people running away from their rides or something stupid after that. On July thirty first, nineteen seventy two, Wright and Brown along with three additional accomplices named Joyce Brown, possibly George Brown's wife, not entirely clear on that. Um, Then Melvin McNair and Jean Carol Allen McNair, who were married. Um, They all decided to travel together to Algiers with three children. What? Keep keep the children in mind as I'm telling the the story. The McNairs brought their kids? So Joyce Brown had one and Jean Carol Allen McNair had two. Got yes. it. Okay. Yep. Still, you're bringing your, f- how old are these kids? Um, young. it didn't say anywhere. They were like young. I would say younger than 10. I was going to say not that they were participating. They were just with Present. their parents. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, the five of them, Eight of them. Five adults. Three children. (laughs) Yes, the eight of them. The eight of them uh, boarded Delta Airlines Flight 841 in Detroit, bound for Miami. Wright was dressed as a priest, carrying a Bible and everything. Mm. Except Mm -hmm. the Bible was hollowed out. With a gun gun. Ba-boom, boom. There was a handgun inside it. Yep. So several of the... Wright... Several of the employees on the flight later said that Wright was the ringleader of all of this. Yeah, it kind of fucking sounds like you brought a fucking gun. And he was dressed as a priest when there were other ones were dressed as like normal people. I'm I'm not I'm not saying but yeah, you're putting on a disguise. You want people to trust you. Right. You want right. people to feel a type of way around you. They, they most people most I'm not saying all, most people feel safe around people like that. Clerk Clergy. Well, especially considering it's yeah the clergy, yeah. But especially considering it's the seventies too. It's pre all of the sexual scary stuff, abuse stuff. Oh, yeah, it's oh. it's pre all of that. Like I'm not oh, saying it wasn't happening, happening, but it's since the the Jesus so, boy days. I'm not saying it wasn't happening. I'm saying that they weren't investigating it. It wasn't like a known thing outside of the church. Oh, like it no. Yeah, actually, it's a bombshell after bombshell out of the church mm. they're not handling it well but they're gonna... <laughs> okay, this this is this is gonna be just a choppy ass episode because we're not together right now <laughs> right Sorry, um but i will say to your earlier point about people like trusting clergy um, on the 48 Hours episode, they also interview the pilot for this flight. And he said when he saw a priest walk on, he was like, oh, good. Look at this guy. Like, that'll be nice oh, to have on my flight. so like, shitty. Yeah, he immediately trusted him. And he remembered it, too, obviously, because of what yeah. happens. A, a good way to compare it is like, say you're on a flight and a golden retriever comes on. Yes. Everyone loves a golden retriever. And then what yes. if that golden retriever hijacked the plane? Really, really out of left field. No. <laughs> oh, it's like snakes on a plane, but dogs on a plane. Yeah. Like if, yeah. like if that was the comparison. Yeah. Oh fuck! Oh fuck! Oh, that was dark. Well. Okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, but you you just feel safe whether you want yeah. to or not because right. it's so subconscious. So, yeah. Yeah. I agree. So. On board the airplane, the pilot, so they're in flight now, the pilot was accosted coming out of the restroom by one of the other men who had also had a gun. Wright, in his priest garb, was already seated in the cockpit when the f- pilot came back from the bathroom with the gun pointed at him. Uh, nope. 
Yeah. So the flight attendants were also being held at gunpoint by some of the others. Wright told the pilot their demands. They wanted a million dollars, and this is a 1972 dollars. Yeah. And they wanted to get to Algiers. It was kind of a wild ask because a million dollars then is, yeah, a million dollars then is over seven million today. Just asking for a million dollars now is like, right? Not like today, but like two years ago. Yeah. Well, three years ago, we're in 2023. Four years ago. Okay, whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And even more specifically wild, they wanted FBI agents to bring the money to the plane completely butt-ass naked. Huh? Um, what? Oh. They wanted nudie FBI agents t- to deliver their money to them. One of these... Um, okay. The reasoning was to make sure none of them had guns or weapons on them. Because oh, they you wanted can this... hide stuff anywhere you don't need clothes well, on. Correct. But they wanted to be Damn. a non-violent hijacking, obviously. What? You brought a gun! Oh. Several You brought guns. a gun to the, 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 the gun hijacking! Right. So You brought but, the gun! You brought the but weapon! But they need, they need other people to be non-violent, though. You know? Oh, I forgot. We were talking right? about everyone needs to play fair. Everyone right. Needs to same page. I forgot. Right. right. I forgot what crime we were talking about. <laughs> right. So in any case, in any case, the plane landed in Miami and the hijackers released all of the passengers, but they kept the crew. The pilot had convinced Wright to let the FBI agents wear swim trunks rather than be butt ass naked. God forbid they have some modesty. Jeez. I know. And it's like 70 swim trunks. So they were quite small. Ooh, those are scandalous. Yes. Those are like there the are pi- there's pictures we, of this. We had a conversation online. earlier about yeah, so there's pictures of this online if you want to look later. Um, okay, so I have a question. Uh huh. In your opinion, mm-hmm. would this ever happen today? Not the hijacking, but the demands being met and the no. FBI showing no. speedos. No. no. Okay. If 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 this demand was met, there would be SWAT and snipers fucking everywhere. Okay. I was just curious because, like, I understand that this is 50 years ago. I get that. Yeah. And times were way different, like, unimaginably different. You wouldn't be able to get a gun on a plane now. Not like that. No. I. That's what I'm saying is, like, yeah. if it was, say I, I don't know, robbed a bank. And I said my sure. one demand is I want Joe Blow FBI mm-hmm. to show up and I want to see his junk. Is Joe Blow gonna gonna come into the bank and show me his junk? No. I'll give it all back. I just want to see his. Maybe I'm a scorned lover. (laughs) You want that specific FBI agent to show his junk? Correct. Is the FBI gonna let it happen if the guy's like, you know what? I'll take one for the team. There's no way. Is the the who's the who's the captain of the FBI? What's his name? The captain of the FBI. What's his name? You know who I'm talking about. The guy. The director. Yeah, thank you. Captain Director, Superior Officer, same thing. What is his name? Right now? Chris Ray. Chris Ray. You think Chris Ray is going to be like, yes, Joe Blow. Please. You got to show your junk. Please go show (laughs) this woman your junk because she's so obsessed with you. And Joe Blow is like, well, she's already seen it because like we were. Oh, my God. I won't leave my wife for her. You know what I mean? Like, is it going to happen? Yes or no? No, there's no way. Okay, I was just curious. I was just curious. I. I wish sometimes, but no. Not to see people's junk, I mean, just like I, that they I would meet like, demands and stuff now. It's just, it doesn't happen. I, no, I know. I mean, could you imagine the fucking news articles? Right? Oh <laughs> like, I, I right? forget that, that things just aren't the same. No. But I would just say, in your opinion, do you think that that would happen now? No. I don't think so. So. Um, oh, I'm sorry to whoever Joe Blow is. I'm. I, didn't, I don't actually want to see your dick, and I'm not actually going to rob anyone either. Not not doing that's any good. Of that. That's yeah. good. Um, so they're in Miami. They let the passengers off. The FBI agents, clad only in their swim trunks, delivered the money, and the plane took off again, with the hijackers and crew still on board. They didn't plan this super well. 
they had to land again in Boston for fuel and to get a navigator on board because the pilot didn't know how to get to Algiers. What? Yeah. What? Whoa. I'm going to need you to back the fuck up. (laughs) Okay. They went to Miami. Yes. From Detroit. They did not have the thought that they might need some extra stuff. And Apparently not. They just wanted head. they just wanted nudie FBI agents and and money. I mean, who can blame them? You know what I mean. Anyways, sure. uh, <laughs> so okay, I'm sorry. From Miami to Boston to Boston. How much of a fucking time difference, or how much longer is it going to take to get to Algiers that you had to waste more fuel? Uh, this is what Boston. I. I know. I don't know. These are the questions. These are the questions you cannot answer because you are not that fucking stupid as what I'm assuming you're going to say. Yeah. But also, like, we're talking about how times have changed. FBI in Boston was notified that's where they were going to land to get fuel and a navigator. And they just, like, kind of facilitated it later. Yeah, kind of. They're just like, don't we can't we don't have any more money for you. Don't take anything else. Be be good to the crew and give them back later. Oh, also, we can't spare any more speedos yeah but the, and then they also sent a, someone to navigate them to algiers aboard and he had to do the same thing he had to show up in his undies okay who is making these demands <laughs> because i want to know what he has uh, about these men because i'm assuming what if it's the 70s they're all fucking dudes i already know they are oh yeah they're definitely all dudes what if yeah, it was the two ladies that were like no we want them naked you know what you know what? I just okay. I have the same question. Why have you ever seen a naked man? It ain't that great. It's not. It great. ain't that great. No. It ain't that not. great. Unless it's they not. are coming full on ready for their porno shoot. It ain't that oh, great. God. And you know that when you know they're trying to deliver money to hijackers, they're probably not in that state. Bruh, could you imagine? Like. <laughs> what this i found the one first of all FBI there's one guy that's like, like i'm super like, turned on I, by this yeah just like you know what my time to shine i can't wait to be threatened like my life here he's like i joined this for this purpose i've been waiting this is, i was so hoping this one very specific thing would happen <laughs> it is my time to shine um, could you imagine that and be like bruh They'd be like, we need to do an internal investigation. Something's wrong. (laughs) No, the people that are getting the money from that one FBI just like, dude, this is not, we didn't. This isn't what we were hoping for. (laughs) That's what we were hoping for. We never thought in our wildest dreams. Right. Or yeah, that's the other thing is like, oh, hey. I know therapy didn't exist in the 70s, but we Want to come to Algiers? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Oh, well, everyone's naked. They're in Boston. Yep. Am I missing so, anything? They get a navigator because the dumb fucks, the dumb didn't fucks, can think of it in fucking Florida. Where were they? Miami, Aruba, Miami. Who I want to take you? Okay. Yes. Yeah. So this is the other thing that the pilot said in the forty-eight hours episode. He said that he was like a junior-level pilot. He had never flown overseas by himself before. What? Yeah, and that's the. So that, did they have to the get pilot. another pilot? No. Well, so they said they called this person a navigator in all the stuff I read. I'm guessing he was a pilot. Well, you don't like, have to be. Uh, that's a, that's what I'm I think, too. Like, you'd a, almost have to be. I'm assuming that's a long ass flight. Oh, I would certainly think so. Yeah. But in any case, plane took off again, headed to Algiers. So we, we were leaving Boston. They, they let him go. So once the plane lands in Algiers, they were met by locals at the airport just with machine guns. All of them just were loaded up with machine guns. So the hijackers got off the plane with the money and then they sent the crew home. They were allowed to take off again and leave. Uh, The crew couldn't get back to the U.S. that night. So they flew to Barcelona, spent the night in Barcelona and then went back to the U.S. Um. The what Are you I didn't telling me they had a nonce. Oh, I suppose they hijacked it. They could have whatever they wanted. Yeah, they could do whatever they wanted. <laughs> I 
I was like, there's no non-stops. I'm looking no. at it right now. No. <laughs> no. So uh, one thing that I didn't write this down, so I'm not going to have the numbers right, but uh, Delta, who is the airline that all this happened on, uh, they commented afterwards, like, not only did you waste our employees' time, but we had to pay them overtime because of this. What? Really, Delta? <laughs> I, I know. I was like, Read come on, Delta. Room. Yeah, exactly. That's not the what? take to have. Don't do this. No, that is, that is a... I would... <laughs> Mm. I would suggest you rethink that and then come back out with one. Even now, I would gladly take a different statement right now. Yeah, I would certainly hope they wouldn't make that statement today. Um, So, eventually, Algeria did return most of the money to the U.S. So, I think they ended up returning around $990,000. So, like $10,000 were gone. But they returned most of it. So that was well, one thing. It probably wasn't really about. It's not really about the money. It's going. To it wasn't about the money. The place yeah. where you can't get extradited. Yes. Yep. And who have already been like a safe haven for Black Panthers that have right. possibly committed violence. Um, so one thing I thought was kind of interesting: the hijacking had its own Wikipedia entry. So some of this I'm getting from like the entry on right, but there's a separate entry for the hijacking as well, and. The Wikipedia entry was sure to note that it was the first hijacking experience for each of the crew members. Oh my god, I fucking hope so. That's what I said. I was like, are you, I would hope so. What? I, I'm sorry. If I'm getting hijacked as a a, a plane employee, that is what they're called, I think. Oh yeah, a plane, plane employee. employee. Uh, whatever. If I'm getting hijacked once, I'm done. That car oh, yeah. is over. Ship has sailed. I am done. Oh, yeah. Totally agree. Yep. By Not the, getting the, on there again. Um, yes. The flights from Boston to Algiers versus Miami. Boston is the better better trip. Oh. Okay. Well, there we go. I mean, there's no direct flight, but I mean, no one's hijacking these flights right now. Where do, you, where do you go through to get from Boston to Algiers? Somewhere in Europe? CDG. Charles de Gaulle. That's Paris. Okay. And then that was from Miami. So you go from Miami to Paris to Algiers. Okay. From Boston. That's France and something else. What's this one? CDG of France. Yeah. So you go through France or Amsterdam. Oh, okay. Oh, AMS. I guess I just assumed that was Amsterdam. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you're you're going to Europe no matter what. Okay. Well, there you go. So our friends have made it to Africa. Okay. What I'm going to do now is cover the fates of the other four hijackers before finishing up the wild story of George Wright. Okay. So several years pass. George Brown, Joyce Brown, again, I'm assuming that they are married, but not 100% sure. Um, Melvin McNair and Jean McNair, who are definitely married, um, they were all living in Paris. They'd been living there since 1973 as political exiles, and the French apparently don't extradite political exiles. What? Yeah. How are they political? Okay, whatever. Continue. So Black Panther was like the Black Panthers were like a political movement. So. Oh. I think a lot of Europe, actually a lot of the world, don't believe in like the death penalty and don't think that the United States has good um, prison policies and stuff. Yeah. So a lot of times it's actually kind of hard to get them to extradite to the U.S. when people are wanted. Other countries don't want. Oh, I know. Send someone over to kill them. Anyways, continue. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they've been living there as political exiles. Um. The U.S. knew they were there, and a plane hijacking like that is considered terrorism. So the U.S. was pressuring France for years to do something about these terrorists living in Paris. France finally agreed to try them, but only if they could do it in France. They would not extradite them back to the U.S. to be put on trial. So France tried them in France. Um, Are you ready to hear what their sentences were? No. Yeah, I mean, yes. Sorry. I meant. Yeah. <laughs> Just, no, He's like, I, I'm, I'm good, actually done with this story. 
I meant yes. Okay. Said with so, the same disgust, but yes. Right, yeah. The two men, George Brown and Melvin McNair, served three years in French prison. The women received suspended sentences because they had children. Huh? What? Yes. And they never served a day in prison. What? Yeah. So the men were released from their French prison in 1981, and all of them, last I could find, were still living and working in France. So they're still the living fuck? as political exiles in France to this day. Great. So are you ready for the final part of the story of George Wright? Are you ready for this? Yeah. Yeah, I am. I already know okay. I'm going to be mad. You are. Yep. So. While everyone else was living in France, he was bouncing around a little bit. So he went to France with them originally, but then he left them there. Um, he, sorry, I lost my spot. Oh, so from France, he moved to a small West African country called Guinea-Bissau. Okay. And according to Wikipedia, I had, I'm not great with country names in Africa. They tend to change sometimes, and I just lose track of what they're called. So Guinea-Bissau used to be called something else, and I actually don't know if it's called Guinea-Bissau anymore. But okay. according to Wikipedia, Guinea-Bissau was the only Portuguese-speaking country where Muslims make up the majority of its population, which I just thought was an interesting fun fact about that is where, like, where he decided to settle. Yeah. Is he Muslim? Yeah. I believe so. A lot of Black okay. Panthers were. Yeah. Oh, okay. That I did not know. Okay. Yep. Yep. So. Uh, there were some, I call them missionaries in my script. I don't know if that's actually what you would consider them as since it was like a Muslim country. I don't know that they were trying to convert anyone. I think they were just there doing like charity work. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, some white people in Guinea-Bissau doing charity work knew right. And they even knew his name was George. Like they knew his name. Um, but none of them admitting, like admitted on camera for 48 hours that they knew his full name or anything. But they... Like they knew it if was, it was this. Go ahead. If you're chumming it up with some guy that's on a most wanted list, you're not going to fucking admit it on camera. Right. So they, that's what I was just going to say. It was like an open secret that he had a criminal history and like everyone kind of knew what it was. So they're like, I mean, we, we kind of knew who he was, but like we didn't really know who he was. Bru I mean, granted, he was only in involved in that one death. He didn't kill anyone in this hijacking, but bruh. He fucking ruined people's lives. It was alleged that Wright was working for a Belgian nonprofit under his true name in the 80s in Guinea-Bissau. So, like, wow, people wow. knew who he was and, like, what he was doing. And, yeah, it's all just really crazy. Um, but here's the thing. From my research, it seems like most of Europe and definitely these countries in Africa, they didn't disagree with a lot of the groups like the Black Panthers. Like they, they were kind of on the side of the Black Panthers. Got it. So yeah, the US at the time during the civil rights movement and all that, like Europe really looked down on the US during that time. Mm, and got it, Africa, got it. like if they would have been the ones who were being discriminated against, so they obviously did as well. Um yep. So it's one of those times in history that I'm probably going to continue to talk about because a lot of the stuff on the list comes from this era. And eventually I'll go into more about like Jagger Hoover and his deal with the civil rights movement. But for now, I'll just kind of like flit in and out of that and I'll, I'll get to it eventually. Anyway, um, eventually Wright moved from Guinea-Bissau to Portugal and settled down there. At that point, he was living under a different name, uh, Jose Luis Jorge dos Santos, and he Wait, married a... Go ahead. Now he decides to change his name? I know. Ridiculous. Isn't that so weird? He was like working under his actual name, and then he decided when I moved to Portugal, I'm going to take a different name? Well, that doesn't make any sense. from Portugal? You can. It's like totally up to, to Portugal. I mean, maybe. Well, right, but... Maybe yeah, maybe. Guinea-Bissau that it didn't matter, and now it might. No, that's actually maybe, yeah, that's a good point. That That's the so, only thing I could think of, is that's the only reason, like, all of a sudden, after you're going to switch it up? Right, yeah, yeah. So he was, going under, he was going by the name Jose Luis Jorge dos Santos. 
He ended up marrying a Portuguese English translator who was quite a few years younger than him, something like 13 to 14 years younger. They uh, they had a couple of kids and his neighbors all, even though he's like, my name is Jose, they all knew his name was George, but they right. didn't know anything else about his history. It was actually reported that they thought he was African, not American. Like they didn't put together that he was actually from America because mm, they knew he moved from Guinea-Bissau. Right. Um, so while living in Portugal, he had no known occupation, but it was reported that he had several jobs at different times. He owned a barbecue chicken joint for a while. He sold items from a stall at the beach. He worked as a bouncer at the local bar and he coached youth basketball, which is actually no. what, yeah, that's actually what one of what the Mr. McNair did in France as well. He was coaching youth basketball for some reason. I'm sorry. Yeah. You brought young children to air pirate a plane. <laughs> right. And now it's like, yeah, you're fine. Just, ugh. I, it just, I knew that this case made me mad. That just, it honestly just twists my stomach so bad. Yeah. So he was just living his life in Portugal. But on September 26, 2011, so pretty recently in the grand scheme of things, yep. um, Wright was arrested outside of a cafe in a town I'm going to try to pronounce, please forgive me, El Guerrao Mem Martins. Yeah, no, El, El Guerrao Mem Martins, Portugal. Okay. Yep. He had been on the run at that point for 41 years. Yeah. Yeah. So his arrest was the result of years of work by the Fugitive Task Force in New Jersey, which okay. matched his fingerprints from his 1962 arrest to his fingerprints on his ID card in Portugal. Idiot. Okay. Yep. The U.S. tried like hell to get him extradited so that he could serve the remaining 22 years of his murder sentence. But the Portuguese government wasn't having it. You see... Even if it was under a fake name, Wright had gained Portuguese citizenship. Fuck and that was off. enough. Fuck all the way off. Yep. And Portugal was like, we don't extradite citizens. Fuck all the way off. Yeah. Yep. So they refused to send him back to a country that he hadn't lived in for 40 years. So for his part, since his arrest in 2011, Wright has never denied that he was actually George Wright. He feels safe in Portugal. He said this on the documentary, although I think that the or 48 hours, I think 48 hours episode was using footage from a different news cast, but he said in some like press conference or something that like, he feels safe in Portugal. He's like, they're never going to extradite me. So whatever. Fuck you. Yeah. Uh, he said in his press conference um, after his arrest that he didn't kill anyone. And he felt like he'd already served his sentence. So why should he have to go back? But you escaped, you piece of junk. He, he escaped after he served long enough in his mind. That's, that's not how that works. Maybe. I know. <laughs> I know. That is literally not how it works. Well, and it's also completely minimizing the fact that he hijacked a plane. Hijacked a plane and was involved in someone's death. Like yeah. brutal death. Yeah, you, they beat him, and then they yeah. shot him in the abdomen, and then right. you hijacked and you. I mean, if not everyone on that plane, you scared at least all that crew. Oh my gosh! Fuck yes. you. Yeah, they had guns pointed at them the whole time. Well, right. I'm just saying, you know, it's yeah, it's if terrifying. not everyone involved. Granted, no one died, but that doesn't so? matter. You scared the shit out of. Right. I don't know. I'm just going to throw out a, a low ball of at least 50 people. Uh, yeah, I would say that's low. But yeah, I agree. I, I, I don't know how big Delta flights were in whatever. That's fair. That's I fair. have no idea. So yeah. I'm just saying at least 50 people you scared the fucking shit out of. And yeah. you were involved in someone's brutal death. So yeah. fuck all of the way off. Yeah. My Agreed. bitch. Yep. So, for the part that's going to make you probably the angriest, Wright I remains. I won't go into a total cuss session this time. Okay, Wright remains a free man in Portugal, where he is currently eighty years old. 
He is still an active fugitive on the FBI's terrorism most wanted list, and he's still a wanted man. He can't return to the U.S. without getting arrested. But with his family in Portugal, why would he want to? And that is the story of a, in quotes, peaceful plane hijacker or air pirate uh, who was also a murder accomplice and is a wanted terrorist. Yup. I'm I'm furious. I remember why I went on my rant last time. <laughs> yeah. You ugh. fuck all the way off. Fucking. I know. I mean, honestly, the best outcome of this for me in my weird brain is that he's super sick with something that fucking <laughs> that that just guts him daily. Yeah. Because. I mean, he's 80, so. Yeah, I hope that he was, he's getting up there. I hope your fucking big toe is stubbed every day and <laughs> it bleeds. So you can't wear any socks without them sticking to it. You got to re rip oh, open the wound. Oh, that's going to make me gag. Oh. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Yuck. I'm just saying. I went, I, but I'm no, that's sorry. disgusting. So that's fair. But just like, <laughs> oh. I'm sorry. I just. Metal chair outside in the sun. In Portugal mm -hmm. or whatever. I don't know. Oh, in Portugal, I, my understanding is it's quite sunny. Yeah. So chair, metal chair, handcuffed. Fuck you. Ugh, yeah. I'm not. Yeah. yeah. Well, totally this agree. Was, this was fucking horrifying and I hate everything about <laughs> this. Great. Greatly researched. You want to tell me your fucking sources? I mean, you're all. Awesome I do. I the sources I do. Are, uh, involved with this fucking case. Ugh, go. <laughs> okay. So. I got information from the FBI website, specifically the wanted poster for George Edward Wright, because it is still active. He is a terrorist. Yeah. Um, I got information from NPR in an article titled Fugitive George Wright Captured in Portugal by Joel Rose. Uh, two New York Times articles. The first one titled Deadline Passed. Portugal Says It Won't Send Killer to U.S. by James Barron. And the second one was called New Jersey Fugitive is Caught in Portugal After 41 Years by Elizabeth A. Harris. There was an article in The Guardian called George Wright, The One That Got Away by Michael Finkel. And I actually think that was a reprint from like this long expose and something weird like GQ or something like that. But oh, the, that is weird. It, uh, yeah, I, I read it in The Guardian, but I think right. it was a, re a reprint from somewhere else. I just um, think that that's, and, if, if it was anything like that, like, oh, all right. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And then I watched the episode of 48 Hours from season 25. It was episode nine titled The Hunt for Mr. Right. And then I did look at a lot of Wikipedia as well. I think ew. those are I mean, I think I would watch. I mean, every time you say that I could watch something, I don't have to read it. I should start making a list because I'm down. I want to see it. And now that it's not going to give away the story, I really want to watch it. I think, and the 48 Hours episode in particular, I think you'd find interesting because they frame it differently from the story I wanted to tell you. Most of, like, the I don't, protagonist is probably the wrong word because it's a real person. But, like, the main character in the 48 Hours episode is Walter Patterson's granddaughter. Oh. So they were trying, like, the, the point was the hunt for Mr. Wright was, like, trying to get justice. Yeah, for the murder because the guy escaped from prison Correct. and never, never was, never was caught again. And they're saying right. like the the government let us down. Yes. Yeah, it's I. So I actually it, it's it's worth a watch. I found it. I think it was on the Forty Eight Hours website. I don't even think it was YouTube. I think I found it on their website and watched it. Perfect. I will absolutely have to watch that. That's yeah. Amazing. I mean, that's that's awesome that there's a source out there that we could see it from. I guess maybe the the same side I'm coming from. Yeah. Well, and what makes that especially interesting, that particular source is like, it makes his statements about like, well, I didn't kill anyone. So why should I have to come back? Sound really, really bad. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they sound bad anyway, but like really, really bad. But like very deaf. Yes. Like you, you don't have any, I mean, you said it at the beginning that he's a, an entitled asshole yeah and yeah it's stuff like that it's like fuck you dude you are you are read the fucking room my dude 
Yeah. Yeah, but, for sure. Um, uh, amazing episode. I'm infuriated, so I hope <laughs> all of our listeners are not infuriated, but, you know, we're all going to riot or yeah, whatever. Not, you know what I mean? I know what you uh, mean. Yeah. Anyways, um, I'd like to wrap up today's episode by saying thank you to all of our support over the past 13 weeks. I've said it before and I'll say it again. We have so much fun doing this and we love so much so fun. Much. So much fun. Yeah. You can find us on Instagram at a most wanted pod. You can also find us on Twitter at a most wanted pod. You can send us an email at a most wanted podcast.com or no, a most wanted podcast at gmail.com. I'm doing there you go. cheerleading things with my hands <laughs> for no reason, but I am really excited. <laughs> uh, we have a website that is designed and run by amazing co-host, my sister, and you can visit us at a most wanted podcast.com. You can follow our Facebook page, a most wanted podcast. We hope you continue to join us every week and we love you so much. Sissy, do you have anything else to say? No, I think you covered it all with your weird cheerleading. I, can you hear it? Because I'm doing it. I can. I can hear it in your voice. <laughs> okay, thank you guys so much. We love you. Thank you. Bye.